Huh. Ah. Oh, you scared me. I'm sorry, but... I didn't see you there. I had to announce the start of the podcast. Oh, true. Because it's another episode of Explaining to Austin, and I'm your... Oh! I'm your I'm I'm the one that you like the most, Peyton. Right, obviously. And then your I'm um Oh shit, what's my name? I I can't Oh yeah, I'm the there. I'm the third favorite character in this podcast. Yep. And I'm the explained. You're Austin. I'm Austin the explained. It's a weird Who's the character second? in Huh? Who's the second favorite? Um you know, a lot of people argue that the city of Seattle is kind of its own character in this podcast. That's true. A lot like Fraser. <laughs> a lot like, um... Fraser. Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Austin, um... Uh, we were just talking about it before we started recording, but, uh, I started a new job since the last episode, doing some janitorial work putting my writing degree to good use you know yeah you know i mean i mean you gotta have a writing degree to do custodial work Um, i've always thought that i think it i think it becomes more effective many people don't know that Uh, many people also don't know that um the term is custodian unless you are one and then you can say the j word oh janitor Um, Janita. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're allowed to say it. Without the um, hard R. Janita. Right. right. Custodian is, you know, that's the preferred term for, for right. non-custodians. Right. I well, wish I could take credit for that, but there's a guy on TikTok who, like, is a custodian and was giving out J-word passes. Oh, that's very nice. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm cleaning cleaning the toilets, cleaning the floors. And I, I, I find all the dirty secrets. I get to the bottom of all the dirt. Find all the dirty secrets when I'm cleaning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you really you get up in the dirt. I'm in the I'm in the filth, if if you know what I mean. Um, you're you're in the cut. Right. Before we start the movie shit today, I wanted to bring up. I know we've talked about. Um, I know in the past I brought up at one point. Uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, music career with his song oh, yeah, Par- yeah. Party All the Time. Well, I came across another lesser, uh, less known and definitely not known to me before song by Eddie Murphy. Um, uh, it's called Boogie in Your Butt. No, it's not. It is. That's the name. Okay. Uh why does it sound like a fucking cartoon factory on your end? I I hired a bunch of cartoon characters. So, like, after they finished shooting Space Jam, um, a lot of the characters in that were looking for work, so I've got them building um, cartoon widgets. Okay. I hope none of those sounds happen for the rest of the recording. Yeah. I or agree. else you're fired. Uh, I just uh, fired a cartoonishly large starter's pistol into the air to get them all to be quiet. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's the name of the song, and I heard it the other day, and like I, I, I immediately hearing the lyrics, I was like, I gotta read these lyrics on the podcast. 
Can you I do ha- like slam poetry? I ha- yeah, but I haven't looked up the lyrics until now just to keep it as fresh as possible. But are you ready for ready to hear these lyrics, Austin? Because I think you'll enjoy them quite a bit. Yeah, I'm very ready. Okay, um, so the song starts and it's like female like backup singers who do like the chorus and they're like in your butt put the boogie in your butt put put the boogie in your butt in your butt put the boogie in your butt put put the boogie in your butt and then eddie murphy in the song um comes in and is like is just like kind of like talking for a second like riffing and he's like i ain't putting no boogie in nobody's butt that's nasty man what are you talking about putting boogie in people's butt uh, are you out of your mind or something? You could go to jail for doing something like that. Wait, but Eddie Murphy wrote the song. It, well, and then he goes into singing. He says, well, step aside, my friend. I've been doing it for years. Ye- He's been doing it for years, Austin. He's Keep been putting the boogie in his butt for years? And, and other people's butt. Well, he's your might be meaning you as in the listener. Uh, mm, okay, okay. I say, sit on down. Open your eyes and open your ears. Say, put a tree in your butt. What? Put, put a bumblebee in your butt. Put a clock in your butt. Put a big rock in your butt. Put some fleas in your butt. Start Say, start to sneeze in your butt. Say, I... put a tin can in your butt. Put a tiny man in your butt. Uh, say, put a light in your butt. Say, make it bright in your butt. Say, put a TV in your butt. Say, put me in your butt. And everybody say, and then it goes into the chorus. Put it in your butt. Right. Put the boogie buddy butt butt. So, now what do you think of that first verse, Austin? Um. Hmm. So far we, well, so far we've got everything from trees Ten cans. Tiny man to Eddie Murphy himself. So, in the butt. Are we in your talking butt. about uh, like in the butthole or just like between the cheeks? It's not clear, but uh, I mean, if just going on vibes, I'm thinking all the way. I'm okay. thinking. I'm thinking it's piercing the veil, if you know how, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know it's pulling a a, a reverse. It's, it's 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 a Dyson. It's sucking it up. It's blessing the baby. Hmm. It's um. It's signing it's the it, contract. You know what I'm it's saying? It's feeling around in the dark. Right. Right. It's sweeping the chimney. It's it's watering the garden, if you will. Yeah. Right. Okay. Not a fan of putting most of those things in my butt. You I'd limit it to the smaller things, probably. You wouldn't put Eddie Murphy in your butt. Probably not. Not in any kind of way that that could mean. Right. Well, are you ready Not for... Not a fan of that. Not really attracted to Eddie Murphy, I'll be honest. Okay, so then after the, the another chorus, he comes back in just talking and he says, Hey man, I ain't putting no trees in nobody's butt. No bees in nobody's butt. Putting nothing. You must be out of your mind, man. Y'all getting paid for doing this? Because y'all got to get some kind of money. Because this don't sound like kind of... I'd rather golf, to be perfectly honest. Then put something in somebody's butt to be truthful. But then he goes... Well, I appreciate that he's being honest and truthful with us. Because if there's one thing you should be, it's honest. Well, but the problem is then he goes into the singing in another verse. And he says, uh, step up beside my friend. Let me show you how to do it. When big, bad E just rock, rock to it. 
put a case in your butt, put metal case in your butt, put her face in your butt, put a frown in your butt, put a clown in your butt, sit down in your butt, put a boat in your butt, put a moat in your butt, put a mink coat in your butt. Oh, put, it'd get all stained. Put everything in your butt. Just start to sing about your butt. Feels real good when you sing about your butt. Sing. So the problem is there's this dichotomy because in the sp- spoken section he's like, I, I don't want to put anything in nobody's butt. It's not what I'm into. Yet then he immediately goes on to singing about this. So it's this dichotomy is is maybe potentially is he being forced to sing this or is it some sort of like his inner desire taking over and and making him reveal that he actually does want to put the things in the butt i mean what do you think i think you know what buckle up Mm -hmm. i think this is a commentary on toxic masculinity in america yeah, right. And that the speaking and the talking are his internal struggle of feeling like, oh, well, if I take pleasure from things in my butt, then I'm gay and I don't want to do that. And then the singing one is like, no, it's not gay. It's just, you know, it's well, putting it in your butt. Or it is gay and he's saying I'm a gay man and I like gay sex up the butt. Sure, sure. Also possible. This he's, is Eddie Murphy secretly coming out. He's coming being, out. It's like a cry for help. Now, you know, it's interesting, and it, as far as I recall, it doesn't come up. There, at no point does he ever say, put, put, put or, or the one thing that is associated with the butt or the butthole, um, you know, just most commonly. He never says it. He never says poop. No, I wonder why. Hmm. That's the, I guess you don't put poop in your butt. It comes out of the butt. Maybe that's why. You don't put it back. Yeah, yeah. You don't, yes. you don't, you don't, you don't return that book to the library, if you know what I mean. No, there's no late fees on that one, and then in fact they don't actually want it back. Um, so, it's like, it's like when, when your neighbor comes over to borrow a cup of sugar, like they're not gonna give it back, right? They might give back the cup, sure, but they well, give it no, back. The usually sugar. they bring up, bring their own cup, and they're just scooping your bin. That's true. That's true. You ever bring your cup and scoop someone else's? You bin? ever scoop your neighbor's bin? You ever walk on over to your neighbor's house and just scoop their bin? Now, uh, he comes back in for this final verse. Uh, The talking part, he says, Now, wait a second now. Do y'all get paid for this, doing this, putting in the butt, all that stuff, really? Hey, what's this? A $100 bill? I get to keep this $100 if I be putting stuff in people's butts? Really? Step aside. And then he goes back into singing. Put a telephone in your butt. Say, put some dust in your butt. Say, it's a must in your butt. I say, pizza crust in your butt. Is he trying to, like, destigmatize anal sex? I don't know. Or is he, like, just further stigmatizing it? I'm not and sure. And making, making a joke of it. Well, he Ma- says... Making it the butt of the joke, if you will. The, the butt, yeah, exactly. I mean, just, so, okay, so, he goes, he, in the singing, he, he, he continues. Say, put a telephone in your butt. Mm-hmm. Put a dinosaur bone in your butt. Sure. Put a radiator in your butt. I say, okay. see you later in your butt. Ooh, got him. Put an alligator in your butt. I say, put some money in your butt. Sure feels real funny in your butt. Ha! I say, squeeze it. Please it. But don't tease it. Put it in your butt. Was this, um... Like... 
a reply or like a, a retort? When did this come out? Did this come out before or after Baby Got Back? Oh, this would have been before. This was like early to mid 80s. And that was not until the 90s, I believe, right? 92. Yeah. Okay. So was Sir Mix a lot referencing. Can we can we thank Eddie Murphy for Sir Mix a lot's hit? Well, that song's just about liking butts aesthetically, while this song is specifically about, uh, if you will, sodomy of the butt with various objects. Wait, 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 wait. Boogie in Your Butt came out in 96. Oh, really? Wait, no, 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 no. 86. Google's telling me two separate things. Oh, 82. Why did it say 96 over here? I don't know. The internet is a liar sometimes yeah but yeah, uh the album came out in 82 yeah but he he finishes with uh put a hot cup of brim fill it to the rim and put it in your butt a to the beat ha huh? two sugars soft so sweet and then... okay so wikipedia has this album listed as a comedy rap album well it's eddie murphy right um he has a song on the track listing that's literally just the F slur. Oh, really? Yeah, it's no, the first one on the album. I'm not first open it up. He's uh, mm-hmm. just making a statement right away, saying mm-hmm. this is the album. I mean, that's not surprising because I'm pretty sure he said uh, he said that a lot in his uh, stand up from sure. the time. I've never watched it, but I've heard. Um, and the, but the thing with this, with this song is like, I mean, it's funny, you know, obviously it's like absurd. And the fact that like, you know, it's just all this like, random, like really shitty rhymes about putting things in your butt, but like, why? Like, it'd be, like beyond like the most base level of just like, you know, saying pee pee poo poo and writing a song about it. Like, right. why, why, why did he decide? And what's with the whole like narrative of like him getting won over by being paid about, you know, being fine with talking about butts and putting things in butts. And you know, like as I just mentioned, it's like notorious that in his standup he was, um, uh, at least you know, for the time, you know now in nowadays light it's kind of uh definitely problematic and and some would you know homophobic in a lot of ways but then he has this song about about <laughs> about <laughs> essentially uh putting shit up your butt and his butt uh, lots of lots of butt stuff i'd say it's just really interesting in that regard it's just like yeah interesting's about the word well, I'm, it's certainly something to ponder in your late nights when you're uh, awake at night staring at the ceiling. Think about yeah. boogie in your butt and maybe maybe you'll crack the code of, of its meaning. Or maybe Eddie Murphy just secretly wants to have gay sex and be the top. And, he, and he's afraid to ask for it. He's afraid to ask for it outside of And he was like, I'll just use this comedy song as a front. But hopefully someone will notice the cry for help within. It's like when you say something in a joking way, but you actually mean it. Right? It's like uh, Eddie Murphy, more like Eddie Murphy, feel my penis. Eddie Murphy, more like Eddie murders the rhymes. So that's Boogie in Your Butt. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome.
Well, step aside, my friend, I've been doing it for years. I say, sit on down, open your eyes, and open up your ears. Say, put a tree in your butt, put a, a bubble bee in your butt, put a clock in your butt, put a big rock in your butt. I say, put some fleas in your butt, I say, stop to sneeze in your butt, I say, put a tin can in your butt, I put a little tiny man in your butt, I say, put a light in your butt, I say, make it bright in your butt, I say, put a TV. talk about the movie that yeah. I or the thing I watched or whatever and let me tell you when I watched I did not have a fun time last night oh no I really put in the labors for this show um will you please tell the audience what I told you the film today is mm-hmm it's called say the full title oh I'm, I'm gonna all right I was planning on it from the start it's called The Oogie Loves in The Big Balloon Adventure. That is true. That is that is it. You hit the nail on the head there with saying the title. And before we move on, um, I, I, I've, I've prepared a statement. Um, I've prepared a statement I'd like to uh, express and let me first say that this is a comedy podcast uh and everything we say and do on this podcast is a joke and not serious and we cannot be held responsible in court for it but here's my here's my statement uh to to all those on the creative end producers and directors and writers responsible for the oogie loves in the big balloon adventure um before i before i leave this mortal vessel before i die i will find all of you and i will uh shoot all of you execution style in front of your families like boondock saints like i I will i will kill you and make your families watch and then i will take your bodies and string them up outside of your house like a christmas uh decoration um, once again, this is a comedy podcast, and everything I just said is a joke and not serious, except um, that it is, and I am 100% serious, except that it's not, because this is a comedy podcast. So that, was, cetera, that, was, that was my statement. Um, so, wow, that's, um, that's been pretty intense emotion there. So, Austin, what questions or thoughts do you have? First off, I'm assuming you're not familiar with the oogie loves no i've never heard of them all right well most haven't Um, they're abjectly outside of this film and including this film of failure so okay um so first off i just want to know how big of a balloon are we talking or is big modifying adventure Okay, I see what you mean. Um, well, let me let me ask you a question in return. Were you when you heard balloon, big balloon adventure? Um, right. Are you thinking of like a large, like a hot air balloon? Almost. Yes, that's what I assumed. Okay. But having said it out loud, and after you said it, said how shitty it is, I have to wonder if it's just a movie that involves balloons. See, exactly. That's going into this. I thought it would be about. Or at least, uh, primary. You know, it 
feature a hot air balloon or at least a sequence with a hot air balloon but no it's like it's 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 a movie about uh finding five normal sized balloons so i guess the bit it, it the name is a bit confusing because hmm. as both you and i have thought you know before you found out and before i watched it it is not a big balloon it is a big you're right it is modifying adventure apparently so it's quite confusing uh, so they are just regular sized balloons okay um is this a sequel like it sounds like the title of like the second or third movie in a family movie um yeah well chain. you would think it does and i think that was kind of their point they were kind of trying to like make this a uh, franchise happen out yeah. of thin air like try to like be like yeah you know the oogie loves even though like nothing everyone's favorite had ever been loves. yeah yeah even though there's nothing else oogie love related ever so there wasn't another movie called the oogie love no, that this was is, just called that this is the first and only oogie love adventure well that's okay that's something yeah uh, when did this come out? I'm getting 90s vibes from how we're talking about it. Uh, year would be wrong there. This is from 2012. Whole my god. Yep. The way this sounds, and like with a name like Oogie Loves, I was like, this is some fucking 90s, like, weird extreme style family movie. Nope. But no, okay, fuck me, I guess. 2012. All right. So it is a family movie. That was one of my other questions. Like, it is supposed to like cater towards that audience. I wouldn't even say that. I w- I'd say a family is implying that even though it might be geared towards children, that parents can enjoy it. This is not that. This is this is in the most pure sense of the word. This is a baby movie. This is a movie okay. for babies. Okay. So there's no like higher concept funny jokes that no. kids won't get not really it's all okay i mean there it's are all... some strange elements that i'll go into that like kids would definitely never get but i don't know who they're for because it's certainly not like to the entertainment of the parents okay um and is there anyone of note involved in this movie um or was it all just kind of b-listers no, you would lower. you would be surprised. Um, first off, uh, on no one really of note on the um, on the per, on the production or behind the camera side. Um, well, except I'll I'll get into the director because he's kind of in his own right. But I'll say the ones that are really like of note that people would recognize are. It honestly has some extremely surprising, um, s- uh, some extremely surprising uh, actors in it in terms of uh, who they got. Uh, I don't know how, but they got them somehow or another. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in this movie, in supporting roles, not as an Oogie Love as other people, you have. Uh, first off, Christopher Lloyd, as in, you know, Back to the Future, Roger Rabbit, Christopher Lloyd. Okay. Uh, you have um, a guy named 
Chaz uh, Palamentary, uh, who's actually uh, an Academy Award nominated actor. Oh, good. For a movie uh, called Bullets Over Broadway um, and a movie called A Bronx Tale. He was also in The Usual Suspects. Uh, mm. So, like, a fairly, like, prolific character actor. Uh, you have Carrie Elways. No way. Of course, known for things like um, Princess, Princess Bride. Bride and Stranger Things Season 2 and also Saw. Yes, he is Dr. Gordon in, Saw, in the Saw series and uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, of course. Oh, of course, of course. God, I love him. Yeah, great. I love, you know, Carrie Elways. He's great. Um, and we also have actress uh jamie presley and we also have actress uh cloris leachman who was uh an emmy winning um actress one of the most uh nominated uh emmy winning actresses also an academy award winner and golden globe winner um, from movies like Young Frank and a lot of Mel Brooks movies as well, like Young Frankenstein um, and History of the World Part One, <laughs> um, as well as a, as a prolific TV career on stuff like the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Incredible. And then finally, rounding out these people that they somehow got involved with this, uh, Tony Michelle Braxton, uh, who not an actress mainly, but she is a a uh, fairly prolific musical artist. Um, she is one of the highest-selling female R&B artists in history with 70 million records worldwide as of 2021, uh, having won seven <laughs> Grammy Awards, nine Billboard Music Awards, seven American Music, o- Music Awards, and numerous other accolades. So... Yeah. So kind of like an all-star cast. A bafflingly acclaimed supporting cast in this film. I'm a little speechless, I'll be honest. And again... Like, from how bad you said it is. Yeah, I how they got these people involved short of, of kidnapping and, and uh, you know, threatening them with a gun. I don't... I, I mean... They must have been paying uh, quite a nice price to grab these. Yeah, like they had some money. Yeah. Why did they have money? Like, what? I just want to hear the pitch for it. All right. Well, um. That's all the questions I've got, by the way. Yeah, that's fair. It's, uh, it's, it's almost a movie that's hard to question. Now, let me say the director of this film. He's very much, in this case, a director for hire. He was not the creative vision behind this film, but uh, he's nonetheless involved and nonetheless uh, guilty, along with his co-conspirators, much like those at Nuremberg. You know, just following orders is not an excuse here. Uh, Matthew Diamond. (laughs) Matthew Diamond is his name. And like the actors involved, he's also... Acclaimed. He was nominated for an Academy Award for a documentary uh, called The Dance Maker that was kind of a, a documentary about a dance company over a span of time. Um, and in that same kind of vein, he himself is very uh, 
his career is very focused on kind of uh, f- musicals and and uh, dance. Uh, many of his films are filmed versions of live plays, um, as well as kind of filmed um, musicals. Finally, he he directed the Disney Channel original movie uh, Camp Rock. Oh shit! So big name, big name. Um, but in terms of the real creative force behind this film, um, the man first we have um, Scott Stable was responsible for writing it. Um, I wasn't able to find too much about him, but kind of really the helm behind this is producer Ken uh, Weisselman, who was actually um, a main producer on uh, the original run of Teletubbies. Oh, hell yeah. As well as Thomas and Friends, both of which I found really surprising because, as I'll go into, both of those children's shows are at least far, uh, seem far and away of higher quality than this film. But they're kind of like, like regarded by everyone as like some of the best kids shows. So yeah, that's surprising because of how not the best this is. So he, he got involved and decided he wanted to make a interactive theatrically released children's property and interactive well where the audience kind you know he he, at one point when i in my research he claimed that it was basically like uh rocky horror but for children in that you're the children are encouraged you know much like children's programs they're they're encouraged where they're like can you say pineapple right they're encouraged they're encouraged to interact uh, with the characters on screen and to get up and dance and, and stuff like that. Sure. Um, and so to do so, funnily enough, you said this is, I told you this is its own thing, which it really is, but it's, they kind of st- not stole it because it was with the permission of the creators. They took this series called My Bed Bugs and kind hmm. of like adapted it for the screen. But I guess I'm assuming that My Bed Bugs was like a owned t- it was a tv show for children but i'm assuming the rights were still with whatever production company or channel and so it's like they took my bed bugs and basically like uh, changed it enough to be its own thing um okay and thus we have the oogie loves and i went and looked and like the characters very much look the exact same but slightly changed and stuff like that so um now let me tell you this austin um tell me I, from what I found online, it seems that uh, around. Let me. I'm just making sure I can get get this right. I think it, I remember seeing that it's that it was around forty million dollars spent on this movie. Get the fuck out. Which I mean, for you know, a movie I guess isn't that much, but for this movie. Uh, just for what it is, is ridiculous. And about t- uh, $20 million of that was for the actual production, and the other 20 was for um, promotion, which it's explicitly stated on the Wikipedia that um, they spent, like, in- 
that some of the investors, including a Michigan real estate investor, spent much of the marketing money on billboards, television ads, and bidding with mommy blogs to cover the film, which is interesting. So did do you know if J.D. Vance helped fund it? As, I, as far as I can tell, there are no J.D. Vance connections. Okay. Uh, speaking of J.D. Vance, as we've t- I've, I informed you recently, he's running for um ohio senate or some shit senate i believe that's a shame so we'll make sure to keep an eye on that race as that primary continues um but back to oogie loves from one from one thing with a with a uh, grotesquely large-headed freak to another back to oogie loves (laughs) um this was nominated at the razzies for uh, both worst picture and worst screen ensemble, but it lost both of those to Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two, which <laughs> I've never seen that movie, but I can't imagine that it's worse than this. I mean, it's got to at least be more entertaining than this. I yeah, I couldn't tell you. I mean, that's all the real background, I guess, on Oogie Loves. Um, I'll probably reiterate this again because it really is my feeling about this film. But it's like they got it's it's you know not they meaning the actual people involved let's just like hypothetical it's like a studio went out and found someone with like antisocial personality disorder or like a sociopath and told them to make a kids movie and then that person made just like the most derivative and mm-hmm. and and you know empty and pointless children's film with the most like disdain and like hatred for children just like by making the most like pointless like shit to rot their brain and that's what the oogie loves is it feels it is so cynical and just like yeah it's just it feels like just nothing but a cash grab and thankfully those like weird youtube videos where the title is like like 20 words long and it's like barely coherent as a thing yeah it's just like yeah. mind-numbing entertainment for exactly. children of like adults pouring candy everywhere for exactly. some reason exactly no that is a i didn't even think of that but that's a fantastic comparison and i do mm-hmm. want to say thankfully it was a huge bomb uh it only made on the budget of 20 million plus you know what we assume is around 20 million in advertising and promotion it only made um it only made one million approximately back from its theater run so at least it at least it uh it was it was not rewarded for its sins it was in fact punished i just want to say i just looked up a picture of the oogie loves oh good i was gonna send you one um if in a Um, second if not that's terrifying it's it looks like it again it just looks like it came out in the 90s that's fair i do want to say that it set a um new american box office record for the lowest <laughs> opening weekend gross for a film playing at over 2000 theaters oh my god what an achievement yeah um I'm assuming it made more. Maybe maybe the number I read a minute ago was including um, home video sales, but it, at least via IMDb, 
so I'm assuming maybe this was the opening weekend. It only grossed uh, four hundred forty-five thousand at two thousand one hundred and sixty theaters, just two hundred and six dollars per theater. Oh my god, this shit was like if uh, if uh, was that Quibi? It's like if Quibi was a movie. In many ways, uh, I mean, it is as much of a failure as Quibi. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just yeah. like bad, poorly planned, did not go well. Yeah. Um, so those are the facts on the Oogie Loves, but, uh, you know, where we're going, we don't need facts, Austin. Hell yeah. Where we're going, uh, there are, there's only torture, (gasps) excuse me, there's only torture, there's only pain, and there's only Oogie Loves. Oh no. And so, if you're ready... I'm certainly ready to get this done and get the Oogie Loves out of my life forever. Uh, are you ready f- to, to go into the Oogie Loves? I've never been more ready for any other movie. All right. Let's do it. Come on, motherfuckers, come on. Come on, motherfuckers, come on. Yeah. Come on, motherfuckers, come on. Come on, motherfuckers, come on. Release the brainstorm to make your motherfucking brain warm. A strange form, something kind of lyrical. Biggie the bastard, so that's kind of spiritual. Well, in God we trust, guns are bust, got that disgusting. Sewer style something, and I'm here you now. Where you going to? Do you like the things that I bring? I got seven Mac 11s, about eight. 38s, 9, 9s, 10 Mac 10s, the ships never end. You can't touch my riches. Even if you had MC Hammer and the 357 bitches. All right, the Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. Thankfully, uh, some of, even though I, you know, just did some notes, you know, like I normally do, as, you know, I normally take them, thankfully, some of the shortest notes for this show, only about a page and a quarter. Oh, God. Uh, Not much to say, huh? Well, that it's just because there's just so much just fucking empty, pointless bullshit in this movie. Good. So we open, and it's like, this is kind of, there's like this pre, I mean, it's like after the logo, the studios and everything, but it's kind of like a little pre-movie almost, like uh, chat from our, from the Oogie Loves, kind of a behind-the-scenes backstage little chat and so we're immediately introduced to the three oogie loves they are gooby who's the green one with glasses um and let me obviously you've seen the picture but let me describe for the audience the oogie loves are you know your stereotypical you know person in a big uh children's you know friendly suit you know costume suit with a big head you know sort of like Mm -hmm. a mascot if you right, will. they're all like mascot size costumes. Um, like. They have giant kind of bulbish heads, like a boulder almost, um, and then big frumpy bodies. Um, and I'll distinctly point out that the eyes on the Oogie Loves, you probably can't even tell this in pictures, but definitely in the movie, the eyes on the Oogie Loves are very much like recessed in the head so that oh, they no. can like move and stuff. 
I don't know if that's controlled by the person inside the suit or someone else, but like by having them recessed so that they can be like mechanical or whatever, it definitely gives them like the sense of like sunken, like it, it, it it's kind of like any a weird eerie look almost like like they're like the eyes are like kind of like back too far uh, to the point of being like I don't know like like you're questioning like. Why, why are they back so far? What, like, oh, no. it's really creepy. And their mouths barely move. Like, the, I think, like, the lip, the bottom lip, like, can move up and down a tiny bit. But they definitely don't try to make it look like it's moving or definitely not in sync with the words they're saying. So most of the time, they're just, like, you know, talking, but the mouth is barely, if at all, moving. I hate that. I hate the way that always looks. So back, let me go back to the introduction. So Gooby is the green one with glasses, and he explains that he is into science and stuff and physics or whatever. None of this is gonna matter. I mean, it, I mean, it comes into play maybe once, but not in any meaningful way. Zuzi is the girl one. Uh, she's yellow, and she says that she can speak every language, including speaking to animals. So she's a druid. And then, I, I guess. And then Toofy is the last one. He's purple, and he just says he likes adventure, I guess, which compared to the other two with, like, the other two have, like, definable skills, and then this one's just, like, I like playing, I like having fun and, and adventure. I guess he's kind of like the... That's, like, his whole thing, huh? He's kind of like the the dumbass of the group. He's kind of like the... the I, he's kind of like you. He's kind of like the... The ADHD one of the group, I guess. The himbo? The himbo, I guess, yeah. <laughs> and so this opening segment, they're, like, breaking the fourth wall. Oh, I forgot. There's also the last one, uh, Darrell, and he's the black one. <laughs> That's his whole personality? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. That would be terrible. Like, if there's a yellow, there's a green one, there's a purple one, and then there's, like, a, like a realistically, like, skin-colored black one. Uh God. No, but, uh, so with this... some of the shit that we've talked about on this show, like with, um, was it, uh, the, tw- the, few, the time traveling Bible one? What? Oh, what? Assassin 3380. Assassin 3380, yeah. Oh, God. With how racist that movie was, I wouldn't be surprised if this one was I, just I, also. I, I had my wires crossed because I was thinking about, like, children's entertainment and, like, puppets and shit. So I was thinking, like, <laughs> puppet movie about, a like, a literal Bible that's, like, alive and, like, has a mouth. And it's like, and it's hey, let's go back in time, kids, to Bible times. And then he, like, owes people money and he, like, has to, like. They, they break his legs. It's great. Uh, so this opening segment with our Oogie Loves, they're like breaking the fourth wall and talking to the screen. Um, they, um, are basically say, uh, you know, explain how like when these butterflies go across the bottom of the screen, that means the kids are supposed to get out of their chair and dance. And then when the turtles go by at the bottom of the screen, the kids sit back down Basically, that, the they're supposed to get it. the the kids are kids are told to get out of their seat anytime like a, a song or a dance happens. Sure. Um, so then the Oogie Loves go over to some instruments, which they like just kind of like randomly play for like three seconds, it like for no reason, and then they stop. And then they're like, um, you know, all right, time for the show. Let's go, everybody. And it abruptly cuts to like a CGI, like 
sh- like you know helicopter shot you know but cgi kind of like flying into from the sea into the, into this town and to the trees and it very much looks like a, a like a 90s like screensaver or maybe like nice. a, a, a cutscene from like a playstation one game yeah just like shit bouncing around and like really choppy yeah it's very like yeah, yeah it's like super like low poly shit but like not intentional to look cool uh so like we fly and we end up going through the window into the oogie loves house where apparently all three of them like sleep in the same room uh they all have their own you know they're buds they all have their own beds but the it it is kind of strange that they like share one room uh i don't know you know i'm a i'm a big advocate for kissing the homies why not sleep in the same room as the homies sure uh (laughs) And all of a sudden, the window, like, where the window, you know, is, there's, like, a face of a lady, and she starts singing to them. Mm-mm. No. This window lady is named, like, Wendy the Window, and I gotta say, she's one of my least favorite characters in this movie. She's really creepy and gives off, like, like weird vibes, man. She, she's, like, fucking... It's like, it's like they found some lady and, like, hopped her up on, like, uppers... And she's just kind of, like, super vacant and weird. I don't like it. I like that. Um, I mean, I also hate it. Yeah. And so the Oogie Loves wake up, um, and they're, like, jumping around and, and singing about waking up. Uh, we learn that they have a pet fish who is also, like, a big puppet, like, fish in a fishbowl. Um, but he's like, he's kind of, he's the only character I really like at all in any way. He's kind of like depressed and overall like the Ui loves shit. He's kind of like, he's got like your typical like kids, like gruff guy, kind of like New York accent almost. And he's kind of like, he's just kind of like constantly like crotchety. Hell yeah. And then we also have crotchety New Yorker in a kid's movie. Yeah. He's the only bearable character. Then we also have that, which is never explained what or who or how this is, but there's Shloofy, who is Shloofy, who is like a living pillow on their couch with like eyes and a mouth. Oh no. Uh, and it's never like, it's never explained like who or what Shloofy is. But we find out that um, it's Shloofy's birthday, and they're going to throw a big surprise party for Shloofy. Um, but they don't worry, there's still time, because as one of them says, quote, Shloofy is still in his sleep cycle. Which makes it sound like Shloofy is some sort of, like, organism all his own, with, like, sleep cycles and who knows what other sort of strange biological quirks. So the jury is still out and will forever remain out on what the hell Shloofy is. Um, just Shloofy, that's... You'll find with this movie, there's a lot of just inane gibberish. From the Oogie Loves to Shloofy to... It's just gibberish. Constant gibberish. It's like, honestly, I mean, that's relatable. A lot of what I say is just inane gibberish. Uh, I, at this point, realize that the window lady hardly ever blinks. 
Like anytime she's on mm. screen, no, 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 no. She mm. never blinks. It's like a human face, like superimposed into like the window, um, like the That's a like demon. a human lady. But like when she's on screen, I swear to God, I saw her blink maybe once in the entire movie, and she's on screen a fair bit. It's really creepy. Um, but we learn that the balloons, special magic balloons for the party are on their way being brought by the Oogie Love's friend who is a giant sentient vacuum with eyes and um, face named, get this, um, J. Edgar. Now, do you get the oh joke? Oh, my God. You got oh the joke? Oh, my God. Oh, that's actually great. So, I'll... That s- might be the funniest thing in the whole movie, huh? I'll explain for the audience. Uh, no. I I think I should. Um, We have a smart audience, okay? Of course, vacuums, one of the main brands is Hoover, to the point where some people simply call all vacuums Hoovers. Yeah, like my stepdad is uh, British, he's Welsh, and um, he refers to vacuuming as Hoovering. And so we've got J. Edgar, and of course that is a reference to J. Edgar Hoover, the uh, founding uh, president of the FBI, um, famous also for liking to be gay and wear dresses in his free time. Um, why, again, though, okay, this is a children's film, and like, okay, maybe the adult watching would be amused by the fact that his name is J. Edgar, but it's not like a throwaway gag. Like that's his actual name and he's actual called J. Edgar. Right. It's not like a side joke. No, no, it's like his actual name and it's never brought up that it's like a joke and he's never, you know, his character isn't in any way, you know, related to the FBI or like crime (laughs) or whatever. It's just like this weird reference to the founder of the FBI. One of the most like, you know, even if, even outside of like you know the truth, okay, of like you know the FBI being one of the like most evil organizations in the United States with its rampant uh, murder and suppression yeah. and illegal wiretapping of you know any sort of activists uh, all the way to Martin Luther King Jr. and you know not to mention you know shit about you know as we mentioned last episode bringing crack into the country and prolificating it in (laughs) low-income areas okay putting all that aside even if you're not like hip to knowing all of that still it's the fbi is like what an organization for catching like you know as they would say it like high level criminals and serious crimes or federal crimes why why is the name of the supporting vacuum man character in your children's movie named after a man who was founded an organization uh prime an organization that was initially founded to find the baby of charles Lindbergh, (laughs) and and then became (laughs) like the federal agency for solving crime why it's a children's movie why is his name i mean i get that it's like like a joke but why i want to know who is it for Right, so like you said, um, you said early on that there weren't many jokes for parents in this movie. No, there's like a couple, 
but even then, like, they're not good. They're not, for the runtime of uh, nearly an hour and a half, they're not nearly enough to make anyone over the age of five interested. So, so if they didn't have that many other jokes, then why did they just throw that one in? Was it an afterthought? I do, it's like if... I'm trying to think of an apt comparison. I don't think there is one. It's like if there was a character in Barney that was like a giant, like you know, cat, like in a co- like a person in a mascot costume of like a cat, or like a or like a, a panther, and his name was Huey P. Newton, or Huey P. Do you get it? No, I don't. Well, Huey P. Newton's like famous uh, member of the of the Black Panthers. Oh, okay. Word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just wouldn't. It would just wouldn't go well. Like it's just a bad. Yeah, like bad that. Point. That that would be the same as if that was in Barney, and yet you know it's Barney, and there's definitely nothing else of that you know, adult nature <laughs> to of any other degree. Okay, so now that we've addressed that, let's keep going. So, J. Edgar is on on his way. Uh, with the balloons, but as we'll find out, J. Edgar is just an annoying, worthless, dork piece of shit, and mm-hmm. he accidentally lets go of the balloons, and all the magic, fi- the five magic golden balloons are scattered across uh, the town they live in of uh, of Love Lovey Loveville. No. Yep. And so. Uh, you know, he comes rushing in and is like, I lost the balloons. And the Oogie Loves decide, all right, well, we've got to go find these balloons before Sloofy wakes up so that we can have the birthday party. And at first, J. Edgar wants to go with the Oogie Loves. But then they're like, no, you got to stay here and look out Wendy the window and, and help us n- know where the balloons are. Because, like, Wendy can, like is magic so she can help and so he's gonna like relay that information via walkie talkie to the oogie loves but like there's this weird moment where it's like j edgar seems almost like uncomfortable and panicked that he's gonna be stuck there with the window lady which i kind of get because she's like creepy i don't like her um and it was also at this moment that i realized that like j edgar kind of he looks like his costume is so just like awkward and uncomfortable. You can tell that like it, he's like a, an old, you know, like a classic looking vacuum where like the bag is definitely like where the person inside's body is. And then his feet are just covered up by a big, like, you know, vacuum part. And to me, he looks like someone <laughs> in some sort of fucking weird fetish costume. Oh God. You know, yeah, like looking at it right now, some sort of like weird, like, you know, like, uh, movement like a fursuit or some sort of like weird like movement restricting like bdsm like thing yeah, yeah. it's some sort of it, it, it is fucking weird and creepy it's like some sort of disturbing fetish bound man i don't know it honestly just gives me the same vibes as like the intricate fursuits where it's like clearly a weird representation of whatever it actually is yeah. With a face attached to it. Well, with it's a human face. It's like if anyone out there is somehow sexually attracted to vacuums, they would fucking bust a nut to Jay Edgar. Oh, for sure. So, moving on, anyway. Th- this was at the point in this movie when I wrote down. There have been multiple songs at this point. Um, like a wake-up song, and then Jay Edgar makes some like, pancakes, and they sing about that. 
<laughs> um, but uh, I wrote this is I when mean, I... I've heard J. Edgar makes the best pancakes. Yeah, that the real life one. Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover, like he. He would put on he would put on a woman's dress and an apron and pretend he was a housewife. He was like a cat girl. He was a Nancy boy. That he was a Nancy boy. That J. Edgar. I heard the rumors. He was a Nancy boy behind closed doors. I love that phrase <laughs> for like boy. gay for like a gay guy. A Nancy boy. <laughs> it's just really funny to me. One of my favorite video games, Uncharted Three. Like, there's this whole scene where uh, one of the characters on your side shoots at one of the bad guys, and it seems like he hit he gets hit, but then he like walks away from it uh-huh. and this character goes i shot him i shot him in his nazi boy waistcoat yeah <laughs> i just love that shit good. it's so good so yeah this was at the point when i wrote down the thing about like the person with antisocial disorder making this out of like bitterness and spite um i also want to point out as i wrote down this movie it feels like there's near constant sound there's almost always like music in the background <laughs> and then like children like overlaid like cheering like stock sound effect like children cheering um and then there's like all, you know constant sound effects it is just the most mind-numbingly obnoxious just barrage of stimuli sounds like i'd love it <laughs> maybe so the first place where the first balloon is is this big treehouse teapot um, and a big tree, and it's stuck on way at the top of the tree. So the Oogie Loves ride their shitty bicycles, and they bring the fish with them too in the bowl. And they get to the tree, and they're greeted by some random young hot girl who got roped into doing this because she's a struggling actress. And she's like, I don't remember her name. I just know that she was like, uh, she said, all she was like obsessed with squares. Like, she was like, oh, I love squares, whatever. I also noticed at this point she's wearing like huge like platform thing shoes. And I think it's because the Oogie Loves like with the costumes and everything are like so much like larger than normal people that like they want the actors to like be on the same level as the oogie loves um because they already look intimidating enough and they don't want them towering over actors um anyway though uh they go up the tree to the inside of their little treehouse teapot um they don't bring the fish with them he stays at the bicycles and one of the characters says silly fish trees are for kids which like a a tricks reference to the cereal, but it's not funny, and they they replaced kids with silly rabbit with silly fish, instead of tricks are for kids, it's trees. So, a fish was trying to climb a tree. Is that what you said? No, he was like, I'm gonna stay here. I don't want to go up the tree, because he's a fish, oh, in a bowl. Oh, okay. Uh, and so they go inside, and there's. Inside is the is the girl's grandma, whose name is Dottie, because she's obsessed with circles as opposed to squares, and she likes polka dots and circles, <laughs> and is, and is that's her thing, and she seems super deranged, and this is played by whatever that lady's name was I said earlier, um, what was it? 
uh, Clovis Leachman, Academy and Emmy winner. Um, this is played by Clovis Leachman, and she's, like, really old, and this was 2012. I don't know if she might be dead by now. Um, but, uh, and so she's super, like, old, and, like, she's trying to just be, like, happy and peppy because it's, like, a kid's thing. But she comes off as just, like, deranged and, like, creepy. And, um, so, uh, then sh they sing a song about circles while Clovis Leachman sits in a chair the entire time, the majority of the song, because she's too old to do all the dances, I guess. Yeah, probably. At the end, she gets up and, and she, at the end, she gets up and does a little bit. And I read in the trivia for this movie that apparently she said the only way she was able to force herself through the physical requirements for this movie was like sheer willpower against the pain she was feeling. But apparently it inspired her to exercise for like the first time in 15 years. Which, I guess that's good. Good yeah. for her. Um, anyway, they sing about circles. And then... Um, then they decide they gotta get the balloon. So they have to climb to the top of the tree to get the balloon. But the grandma and the girl are, are like, no, it's too dangerous. But then Gooby, the science one, says that, oh, don't worry, Toofy, who's the adventure one... Toofy has the perfect skeletal configuration for climbing. Uh, that's the worst sentence I've ever heard. Which, I don't know about you, but I'm getting weird, like, phrenology, like, yeah. race science from that quote. Like, don't worry, Toofy has the... Ex we've measured his skull, and based on the number of ridges, we've determined he's the ultimate physical specimen, despite being uh, stupid. He's he's the ultimate physical specimen, so we use him for all physical activity. God. He's our he's oh. our he's our physical laborer. Uh, we measured my skull, Gooby, and uh, I'm the oh, smart. My IQ is just superior. My, I, and that's I why have, I'm joining Mensa. I have such a high IQ because of my skull shape, and that's why the other two he loves were sterilizing, and I'm the only one that will be allowed to breed. Oh God. Um. Anyway, so Toofy, with his perfect skeletal configuration for climbing, climbs to the top of the tree and gets the balloon. And when he gets the balloon, the balloon, like, a face appears on it and talks to him. And he floats down on the balloon. Uh, and his pants fall down, because that was a thing earlier where he said, like, I don't want to put on a belt. And the other ones were like, all right, but every time you do, we're going to say this rhyme about your pants falling down. And so Sounds his, like they manifested it. And so his pants fall down. And they're like, haha, Toofy, Toofy, your pants fell down. Look at you, you're a big clown. That's not what it is, but it's essentially that. And 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 from that, I started that that happens multiple times. And I'm getting weird like public humiliation fetish shit there's from that. There's a lot of fetish going there's on. There's a lot of weird. There's a lot of questionable fetish shit going on with this. I'm just saying. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I I don't know. It's it's, it's way too easy to 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 pick up on and read into that you know if it i don't know i feel like it would be easy to avoid if you didn't want it in there um yeah. anyway uh so yes pants fall down but they have the balloon great first balloon down uh, i wrote down how every like rhyme or song they do it always kind of descends into into gibberish so like the first two lines will be you know like one two one, two, three, calling the Oogie Loves. Can you hear me? One, two, one, two, three. 
schmoofity, schmoffity, schmoofity, shmee. And so it's like, it, like so, by the yeah, they just couldn't figure. It's out how like to they end give it, so up, like, and like so it. then they just throw in gibberish words. Yeah, I mean that's relatable. Um, so the next place the next balloon is is like this milkshake restaurant. There's like a giant like cow on the roof, like a giant cow sign. Okay. Um, and they walk in, and it's like a '50s diner, but it's like specifically milkshake based. Uh, and they find the balloon. It's tied around the neck of a cow that's in the restaurant, and it is the most terrifying, like realistic looking cow puppet. Oh no! Like it's like all the other like animals they run into, like when they're riding their bikes along the way, are kind of like cartoony little puppets and stuff, like ducks wearing sunglasses and shit like that. Yeah. But this cow puppet is, like, eerily realistic to the point where, like, you know how on, like, some animals' eyes, specifically in this instant cows, there's, like, a little bit of, like, visible, like, blood or, like, uh, like veins in the eye mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you can, like, see? It's, like, that's on the puppet. Like, the eyes are, like, creepily real with, like, l- blood in them and shit. I'm not a fan of that. If you ask no, me if I'm a it's fan like of that, someone, I'll tell you I'm not. It's like someone found a cow carcass and like chopped off the front half so that you could puppeteer the like head and the front two hooves. Don't like it. But uh, the balloon is being given away as a prize for a milkshake drinking contest. And the owner, the cow that sounds painful. The cow makes the milkshakes oh. and yeah, in the kitchen. From his own milk? From her own milk, I mean? It, it is implied, yes. Ooh, that's... Yeah, and I then... I guess that's ethical. Like, like if you were vegan, you could probably drink those milkshakes because the cow's like, here's my milk to make it with. Mm. You know, you're not, like, infringing upon an animal. Sorry, I just chewed some ice because my throat was getting dry. Bone dry. Um, But then the guy who runs the... um milkshake place is as per mentioned the academy award-winning chaz pel pa- Palman- Ch- chaz peloton bike paul palmentary palmentary i wanted to say paul parliamentarian <laughs> <laughs> but he's like uh, academy nominated chaz parliamentary um but uh he's like a like supposed to be like a like 1950s like greaser but he's like running a milkshake shop all i know is they constantly have him being like hey oh hey he's kind of like so he's doing that and he says like stay golden pony boy yeah but he's so then they do like a doo-wop song about drinking milkshakes um and then they have the milkshake drinking contest and let me tell you Austin, these are big ass glasses of milkshakes like i'm talking like goblets no, no. Like tall goblets. They look like flower vases. You know, for like, you know, the the the, you know, effect of being cartoony. And they're also like, you know, wacky flavors. So that's like, hey, this one's peach pizza and a little bit of pepperoni. They're all like shit like that, like as a joke, <laughs> but they sound disgusting, obviously. Yeah. But everyone seems to love them. Except the fish, who's like, that's gross. But then he drinks it anyway. Um, because the fish drinks all the most, finishes first, and the fish wins the contest. And so the fish gets the balloon, uh, and he wins. So good for him. 
and he's also like they make the the puppet they i guess they had an alternate puppet that looks like him he's like you know bloated he's like uh filled up with milkshake yeah they fill him up they filled up that puppet they fuck they 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 filled him right up um but anyway next balloon they find is at the airport um and they so they go there and it's specifically in a private hangar with this private jet and there's this rich bimbo lady Nice. Played played by the aforementioned, what was it Tony Newman? Um, what was her Richard name? Richard Parliamentarian. Yeah, no, what was that lady that I talked about the oh, singer lady I talked about in the beginning? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't know what, what was her it? name is. Tony Newman. Tony Braxton. Sure. Tony Braxton. She's Tony Revolori. Yeah, <laughs> she's this uh, rich bimbo lady. Nice. Uh, Same. She loves roses. And she has everything is roses, but she's constantly sneezing because she says she's allergic to roses. So even though she loves them and has to have them around, they make her sneeze. Sounds like she should take some Claritin. I know, but apparently not. She sings a song. The Oogie Loves accompany her on the instruments behind her because they're like, oh, we play instruments. Um, Because she doesn't want to give them the balloon at first because um, it's like with all of her stuff and she's like no i have to keep it i love it because she's like rich and and instantly you know is unwilling to to cooperate or give it up at all of course um but they sing a song she sings a song about being sick from allergies um and then she's just like okay i'll give you the balloon but then it accidentally gets uh let go of and it flies to the top of the private jet and gets caught on the tail of the jet and oh, so man. now, you know, they're all worried, the Oogie Loves, because they can't reach it. And and the rich lady is worried because, you know, oh, my jet can't take off. The balloon's stuck to the tail. I'll miss my world tour. Um, and she's really sad. And so she's, like, freaking out and sad and starting to cry. And she, this is the one good joke, in my opinion, in this. She's like, you know, oh, no, I'll miss my world tour. And she takes out a pair of sunglasses, um, puts them on. And of course, like everything she has, it's like rose uh, themed. And she puts on the glasses for a second, looks at, looks around and takes the glasses off. And she goes, even with my rose colored glasses, it looks bad. Oh my God. I that's the one joke I actually liked. That's yeah. That's like on par with J Edgar for me. Um, but then Gooby, the smart Oogie love somehow makes a trampoline out of the rich lady's like boa cloth that he like unfurls and luggage and he makes like a trampoline i don't know how it has like springy like elasticity but who cares it's the ooey loves so he makes a trampoline and he jumps up and he grabs the balloon and yay they have the balloon so that's three balloons um meanwhile back at the uh house with j edgar in the window Sloofy's still asleep and there's even this shot where they're like i wonder what he's dreaming about and it shows him and he's literally dreaming about sleeping about dreaming about sleeping it's it's like no thoughts head empty (laughs) he does not even know his abcs no um so the fourth balloon they realize is stuck on the top of an exhaust uh pipe or you know like the exhaust um of a truck at a truck stop of a 18 of a semi trucks exhaust you know how they have that exhaust that can like go out of the top oh yeah it's stuck on that at a truck stop good and so they head to the truck stop and uh gotta be honest 
I was thinking it might go a little different here because, you know, they... God damn it. Lost your I know, I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm writing down the time. All right. Uh, but, okay, so they go to the truck stop, and I was go I'm was i going to be honest. Thought it was going to go a little differently here because, you know, they go to the truck stop. Oh, it's stuck, yeah, yeah. On, stuck on the top of the truck. They go to the truck driver. And you know what happens in truck stops. Oh, exactly. They go, hey, we need this balloon. He says, all right, I'll give you your balloon. If you do a little something for me first, because you see, it's lonely out there on the road. Oh no! And I, I'm, oh, I'm a, I'm no. a nice guy, and I've been a little lonely. So why don't you help me solve my lonesome problems? If you and know what like, I I'm mean. He's like unbuckling his pants. Yeah, and and he, and he opens up the door of the truck, and all three Oogie loves get in, um, and then it, then, and then it, it like. Just... It's it, a wide shot, and it, the cab is, like, shaking. Yeah, and then it fades to black, and it's, like, three hours later. And, and the, one of them is smoking a cigarette. And the Oogie Loves exit the truck, and they're all, like, just clothes disheveled. And one of them's crying. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate this. But, no, that doesn't happen. So they get to the truck, and there's, like, a bird on the perched on the, like, inside of the cabin, um, and which, like, is owned by the owner. And then the owner comes out, and... Austin, I'm going to be honest. I feel stupid, but I feel like it's excusable because it's this movie and because it's such a weird-ass deranged performance. Okay. The truck is owned by a cowboy, okay. um, which the cowboy is played by Carrie Elways. Okay. I legitimately did not even compute that it was Carrie Elways <laughs> until after the movie when I looked it up. Oh, my God, really? I don't know why. I mean, I feel I've seen him in a ton of stuff. I feel like I can recognize him, and I have in other stuff when I haven't when I didn't know he was in it. But he looks so like vacant-eyed and deranged in this movie. It is like I don't understand. I it just did not compute in my head at all that that could possibly be Carrie Elway's. You know, it doesn't look like him. You look it up. Yeah, he has this like creepy dead-eyed grin the entire time. He is this cowboy, um, and so he's the whole thing is his truck. He he sells bubbles and makes bubbles, and so they go into the back of the truck, um, which is like a bubble factory inside the trailer. That's pretty efficient. And his name is like Bobby Wobbly, and so he's constantly like moving. He's never like still, but in the up close shots where it's like a tight shot on just him, and he's just moving and you can't see like what's around him in the shot it kind of looks like he's being fucked like he's just constantly like moving forward and side <laughs> to side like 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 he's being fucked off screen like you know like he's moving that way and then just out of frame is someone with their with their boogie in his butt you know what i mean yeah yeah bringing it back around put the boogie in his butt put the bubbles in his butt anyway they go inside the truck they do a little hoedown song about wobbling and how fun it is to wobble around. Of course. They go back outside. Zuzi, the language one, convinces the bird who's, like, old. And, and Carrie always is like, well, he hasn't flown. In, she hasn't flown in years. She's got back problems and her feet hurt. But uh, Zuzi finally convinces the bird to fly up and grab the balloon off the exhaust stack of the truck. And so now they have the balloon. 
And as you see, as you can tell, I'm able to go through this so quickly because, like, so much of the time of this movie is just dedicated to inane, pointless songs and dance movies. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm just completely, you know, glossing over these songs besides mentioning them. You know, like the wobbly one that just happened. I mentioned it, but I'm not going to go into detail about it because... No, please don't. Nothing that happens in it is is of consequence or interesting. Anyway, the fifth and final balloon is stuck on the top of this windmill. So they go to... They ride their bikes as far as they can, but the windmill is on the other side of this, like, giant grass park flower place with tulips and shit. Um, And this llama tells them that you can't ride your bikes or run across the grass. The only way to get across is you have to ride on a giant sombrero. And so the giant... why the hell? Yeah, I don't know where they got windmill and sombrero being connected at all, but at this point I was just excited because the movie was almost over. So uh, the giant sombrero, like, glides across the field and comes up. And so inside the sombrero is... Jamie Presley and Christopher Lloyd and they're like the people inside the sombrero and they're I guess supposed to be like Mexican characters because their names are like Leah and Lero Sombrero but like oh my God. they're very clearly white people as you know as right. Christopher Lloyd is like Heard you know him. not a he's very white old man uh it, he's been an old man since the 80s since Back to the Future um so, like, uh, they get in these... I didn't know Christopher Lloyd was in this as well. So when the window opened up and I was like, is that is that, Chris, is that Christopher Lloyd? Is that Doc from Back to the Future? Like, what? It's <laughs> like, why, why is he in this? <laughs> it's so sad. Um, I feel so bad for him. Yeah, like, why did he even take the role? Yeah, but uh, so they get in the sombrero and the whole thing is they have to, like, salsa dance to make the sombrero go fast across the field um and so they do that they dance around there's this weird part where christopher lloyd who's been sitting and just playing like a little bongo um he gets up and dances but it's like sped up footage because obviously i guess he was probably too slow to like play it in real time um also at this point christopher lloyd he only and i'll mention this he says like one line right before this scene ends in a minute but then he says, like, one line at the beginning, and that's it. So, obviously, they didn't have enough money to pay for more. Of, they only had enough money to have him there, but not to do lines. Um, <laughs> so, he at least kept a little bit of his dignity. Unlike yeah, Car- I guess so. Unlike Carrie Elway's. Um, so, they ride the sombrero across the thing field, and then they get to the windmill, and they but it's way up at the top is where the balloon is on the top of the windmill. Um whatever you call it what do you call the spinning part of a windmill the the, the blades the blades at, yeah whatever Man, I don't know. yeah and it's not like a, a solar a, you know like an energy windmill it's like it's a like old, a dutch windmill right right exactly um so but christopher lloyd gets out like a, a flute and like plays a song that causes this tulip nearby to like grow giant and like a beanstalk almost and grow up and so they're able to climb up the the windmill are they're able to climb up the tulip to the top of the windmill but even at the very very top um toofy can't reach the balloon he's just a little bit short 
And so they are like, we need uh, whatever the fish's name was. I don't remember. We need him. Throw him. And the fish is like, I don't want to. And they're like, come on. We have to get the balloon. He's like, all right. And Jamie Presley kisses him on the lips uh, for good luck. And in the background, like Christopher Lloyd, like, does like the like, I've got my eyes on you thing to the fish. And so they throw the fish uh, to Toofy. He holds out the fish. The fish grabs the balloon with his mouth. And then they come back down. Uh, Toofy's pants fall down again, and they make fun of him. Um, and they have the balloons. Yay. So they head home on their bikes, but all of a sudden the wind picks up, and they lose all the balloons, and the balloons start to fly away in the wind. But oh, no. but then the balloons are like, the most powerful thing of all is love. Give us kisses so that we come back. Which, okay, let's stop for a second. The balloons who are sentient are like, the only way we'll come back to you is if you give us kisses. And they're encouraging the kids in the audience to, like, blow kisses to the balloons, too. And I don't know about you, but it's super, uh, to use the lingo of the kids nowadays, it's super sus to be, like, telling kids, oh, if something bad is happening, the way you make it up to an adult or someone is to is to give them kisses. Like, oh, you know how your teacher, uh, it's like, I can just see a kid in preschool, like, oh, like the, the, the caretaker or teacher or whatever is like, you really made me mad. You know what that means? Come in the bathroom with me. You got to give me kisses in my that. special place. This is some real Epstein shit, Austin. Yeah. Why does Epstein keep coming up on this fucking podcast? Epstein and Kaczynski, I mean. And, and Ron Howard. Yep. Um, so they do that, they get the balloons back, and they go back home, they, Sloofy wakes up, and they surprise him, and give him stuff. Sloofy doesn't, like, ever say words, he's always, it's just like, like, gibberish. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they do the birthday for him, and the balloons sing a birthday song, and then on Wendy the Window, there are, like, the people that they all came across on their journeys, wish him a happy birthday, and then the movie ends. Um, that's it. tell you austin uh never more have i have i been inclined to 
give in and believe the teachings of Ted Kaczynski than when watching the Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure. All of technology suddenly felt like a disease upon the land and upon mankind. Yeah. Um, I'm never going to watch that. I'll oh, be... don't. Definitely never. Yeah, I'll never... I'll never do that. Please do not make my sacrifice be in vain. It's not funny. It is not entertaining. Um, well, I appreciate your sacrifice, as always. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's just like... I don't even remember what I was about to say. My brain is honestly... Uh, oh, boy. Both from yeah, like not not only have you seen it, but now you've had to recount it. I know it's like almost going through it twice. Now it's committed to memory forever. Exactly, and it's like both just a combination from being tired from work, and just Oogie Love just being just oh just the worst. It's like <laughs> I'm just like so dead inside right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like never before. I mean. I not never before, but like, never have I appreciated the artistry of things like, you know, Sesame Street or Barney, than when watching the Oogie Loves. Yeah, you like don't realize how much work goes into like good kids shit. Yeah, and because look, yeah, Barney can be annoying probably for parents, but like at least Barney is teaching things about empathy and helping others and being kind. Sure. And Sesame Street, obviously, renowned and, you know, good in its own right because it's beautiful life via, via M- the Muppets and Jim Henson company. Right. Um, and, you know, so it's, like, actually creative and funny in some ways. And uh, it's teaching stuff like letters and math and numbers, which is great. Um, but, okay, I don't know if you picked up on this. There is no, like educational value of the oogie loves no it sounds like it just uh, talking about kissing there's never like no there's never like using you know spelling or math to solve the problem or you know stuff like that it, the way they solve their problem is always just some stupid bullshit like climbing a tree or a milkshake drinking competition or singing a song like there's no education value it is like it is purely baby movie in the sense that it is nothing but like stimulus to distract a child it is there is no value like it's like sugary cereals without nutrients right it is just bright colors and constant noise to just distract and keep a child occupied and even at that like anyone older than the age of five isn't gonna like this because like it is so obviously like just inane and pointless that like any kid with any amount of self-awareness is going to be like this is for babies it's just just it just sucks it just sucks in so many different ways yeah it sounds like it's just depressing it's just so pointless i and you know i i understand that movies cost money to make and i'm not someone to constantly dismay the price that movies cost i mean it is getting to a point where it's just kind of crazy but I understand that's the industry and you know for really good ones that come out that are really made passionately with a lot of artistry um, I think it's worth it but to think that this movie you know costs 20 million dollars to make and approximately maybe 20 million for for promotion 
just thinking of all the things that, that money could have gone to all the people that probably died as a result of not having that money in the year 2012 <laughs> via homelessness or poverty or whatever it just i just it just makes me feel empty inside all bec- also that this you know equivalent of dangling keys in front of a baby could be made right god Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure makes Munchie look like Citizen fucking Kane. Oh, fuck. I mean, I would... I mean, Munchie looks... Is like... if I would watch Munchie every day of my goddamn life if it meant that I could erase the memory of watching this movie. Jesus. Just the disparity. You don't mean that. Yeah, but Munchie is entertaining and funny and weird and ridiculous... Oh, but every day? I don't... Dude, this movie is so goddamn just loathsome. <laughs> it is not only on a content level, but on, like, a... On a, you know, conceptual level. Like oh, I said, God. it is just so cynical, and it just feels like it has disdain for children and disdain for 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 the fact that it, that, it, that people are watching it at all. Yeah, it really just sounds like a cash grab, like you were saying. Exactly. It is nothing but a cash grab that thankfully failed. Uh, Good for them. And I don't know what else to say about it, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to say. Other than that, I'm glad it's over. I'm happy for you. I'm glad that I will never hopefully have to talk or think about Oogie Loves ever again. Yeah, until I get a vinyl wrap for my car that's just the Oogie Loves characters and I'm just going to drive around you all the time. Yeah, or until I get it on vinyl. The soundtrack. The soundtrack. Oh, God. All right, well, oh, that's shit, the Oogie baby. Loves, Austin. Oh, yeah. That so, was the Oogie Loves. Zero out of ten. Yeah, I'd say. Just watch Munchie. Okay. Show, show your kid Munchie so he can learn about sex and car chases and drinking booze. I think booze. that was the actual tagline for the Oogie Loves. It was Oogie Loves Big Balloon Adventure. Just watch Munchie. Yeah. Never I'm uh, this movie has made me realize how enjoyable Munchie was to watch. <laughs> made me appreciate it even more. So Oh good. Don't watch this Austin, don't watch this anyone. That's the Oogie Loves. Hey, Carrie always always uh Why'd you do it? Disappointed in you. I hope this was you were done this out of blackmail or like I hope you were about to be like broke and had to do it. Yeah, I want answers, Carrie. I want answers. That was the. I'm not even gonna say the name of it. That was today's movie. 
it's out of my I'm trying to trying to make it out you know erase from my mind um you gotta shift realities into your desired reality where you never watched it right so that was that uh this is the ending segment where we bullshit and whatever uh as you you were gonna mention earlier but i accidentally cut you off the stop the recording right before but we are recording that normally record this late nights record this 9 p.m we recorded this in our smoking jackets with a glass of brandy by the fireplace. But today, it's right now just turning almost 6 o'clock. We started at about 4.30. So yeah. we did a bit of an afternoon, early evening sesh. Yeah, baby. And, you know, not bad. I thought it was good. Now, normally I'm, like, up late doing this and then, then editing it. But now I have a little... I can chill out, grab some grub. So, Ooh, pretty nice. Get some grub from the hub. Well, I'll probably just drive and get it myself. Sure, sure. So... Save about $40. Yeah, that's, yeah. Expensive delivery is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you doing good, though? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I've started on my cosplay for Dragon Con. Oh, cool. Um, that's gonna be interesting. I'm very excited for the con, but having less than two months to build a full suit of armor is gonna be... Right, right. Something, all right. You think it's but, too late to contact DragonCon and ask if we can have a, a panel about explaining to Austin? You know what? Genuinely, it's probably not too late, but also I don't think we've got the following. Yeah, but we can make the following from the panel. Do a live panel. People, I'll, just, I'll just be in my fucking Clone Wars we outfit. Do, we can do a live episode recording. Yeah, and make we can make people We can get new fans. Because even if only like a couple people, you know, a small room and like, 20 people would stumble across it hey that's 20 new fans i would say so austin oh my god what the fuck was that <laughs> nothing all right god i swear to god it's like a looney tunes sound effect factory over there uh here, here here's a fun thing in the past on the show i've done some impressions I've done yeah, a yeah. Uh, I've done a Jimmy Stewart. I remember it. I've done uh, other ones I can't recall at the moment, but I've done some. Here, here we go. How about pick like a an impression? Pick like someone who's easily impress. You know, not easily impressionable, but like I icon- you know has a distinct you know voice that could be impressioned, and I'll do an impression of them, or at least my um. best at an impression. Chris Farley. I, I, I mean, okay. he's, is, does he even have a, like... No, not really. He's kind of just like this. Yeah, he's just kind of aggressive. He's kind of just peppy and upbeat. I'm on cocaine and I weigh 400 pounds. <laughs> Got him. Gonna be dead in a week. Um, uh, what's his fucking name? Who is that president? Barack Obama? Bill Clinton. <clears throat> oh, Bill Clinton. Hey, Austin. Now, let me tell you about boogie in your butt. I think you need a little bit more Southern on that. Let me tell you about boogie in your butt, Austin. You gotta have that long, drawn-out, almost kind of vocal fry. It's like a vocal fry Southern accent. Did you know that when Hillary and I, when I was governor of Arkansas, I think that's where I'm from. Arkansas. 
you know, when I was governor at the governor's mansion, all our labor was provided to us by inmates. Was it? It is. It's in Hillary's autobiography. We had slave labor on our plantation home at the governor's oh, mansion. That is deeply troubling, Bill. Now, Austin, let me tell you about how much I love getting fucked in the butt. I'd assume it's a good bit, you M- know? Most people think I, Monica went down on me, but what actually happened was she took my cigar and she would stick it right up the old porthole. Mm, you smoke it after? Oh, yeah, that gives it the best little tang of flavor. All right, Bill, well, I think that's about all the time we've got. Uh, I just want to say I'm going to be running for a third no, term. That's okay. You don't have to. In 2024. Please don't. Against my opponent, Tucker Carlson, mm. who will be running for the Republican nomination. And I will be running for the Democrat nomination. And it's going to be me, Bill Clinton, and my, my vice, my pick for vice. Matthew McConaughey against Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro running for the Republicans. So get out and vote for me, and I will make a new crime bill that imprisons ten times more black people a month. Great. Okay, this we shouldn't have had you on the show. I told Peyton this was a bad idea. All right, well, I'm glad I could come on your radio program. I'm sure. going to go play saxophone and, uh, and, and on Jeffrey Epstein's island. I got a private flight chartered. G- great. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Bill Clinton. <laughs> and I'm Austin. See ya.